And we're right in the middle. This is the middle point of a seven-week series that we've done leading up to Easter that we've simply called Truth Stories. And Truth Stories, we're looking at these parables. We're looking at these, these stories that Jesus taught and used to communicate a truth. And every one of Jesus' parables has full layers of truth. Our small groups are digging into these and, and, and breaking down these parables in deeper ways and, and really having a good time with that. If you're not in a small group, I encourage you to get connected with one. It really helps in, in your overall growth. And they're, they're doing that with these parables. But they also all have a central focus. They all have a central idea. And we've been rolling on that front. So let's just go ahead and we've been looking at this truth over and over again, that we've been invited to be transformed by the truth of God's love for us. We've, that God has invited us in to that, to be transformed by him. That's, that's what being a new creation is all about. And as soon as we understand that we need a Savior and that Jesus is him, that there's no religion ladder we can climb to get to God. There's no good deeds. There's no any of that stuff that we can do just right to make ourselves right with God. Every religious ladder is, is on a crumbling foundation is an and is, on the other end is entirely too short. I don't care which way you put, build it, which way you work it, it does not function. And so God sent Jesus. God sent Jesus to bridge that gap for humanity to come in and to be our Savior and to be our Lord. And when we recognize that and we let go of this thing where we're going to make ourselves right with God and somehow we're better than the average person so God ought to be cool with us and we let go of that and we recognize how desperately we need God and how desperately he showed him his love for us in Christ and we just grab a hold of that by faith and the Bible says we step over from death into life and we're now heaven ready but guess what we're still here we still have to go to work we still have our pe the same people we deal with. And the biggest one is we have us to deal with. We have our old habits and all this stuff. And we look and we go, man, I thought I was a new creation. I thought I was, God was doing something new in me. And I still butt my head on some of these things. And some of that comes from the fact that we need to have a new perspective. We need to see life differently. We need truth to come in and push out the lies. And that's what Jesus was bringing <clears throat> One of these ways he, he brings this life-changing truth are through the stories that Jesus used over and over again. And I love stories. Stories are my favorite way to communicate. So I really love Jesus' parables. Paul is a great theologian and he lays things down, but I love Jesus' stories. They are so beautifully rich. And John chapter 8 reminds us of why we really need to have, grab a hold of this. It says, even as he spoke, many believed in him. And to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, and remember, it's not that religious, I'm going to do everything he says, cross, dot every I, cross every T, and I'm going to do his new punch list. No, it's we let his teachings become a part of us. We hold to them, we embrace them, we call them our own. If we hold to his teachings, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. God brings the truth every time to bring you into freedom. 
Every time the Holy Spirit is exposing and talking to you and showing you some truth there that maybe your attitude, your conduct, your habits run up against and kind of, they kind of grate against. He's doing that not to tick you off, not to frustrate you, but to bring you into freedom. Your mindset is keeping you trapped. It's keeping you stuck. And he brings us into truth to help us to step into a greater level of freedom. And these stories that Jesus tells often come about to help us understand who Father God is. It's so easy to have the wrong mentality. And Jesus is wanting to come and give us the big picture. We've all heard the story probably at some point in, in time about the, the three blind men that were supposed to uh, describe an elephant. And so they're sitting there and they're touching, touching the different pieces of the elephant. And one grabs a hold of the tail and says, oh, an elephant is a rope. An elephant is just like a rope. And the other one grabs the trunk and says, oh, no, 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 no. I, the, the elephant is like a snake. It's like a big, strong snake. And another one's touching the side of this massive, massive beast and is pushing on the side. And says, no, an elephant is like a wall. And through their limited perspectives and unable to take in the big picture, they begin to argue. And the truth is, is all of them were right. That there were these different places that you needed to get the bigger picture. And, and there was all of this great debate in Jesus' time about how God interacted with humanity. And no one was right. No one had it clearly laid out. And Jesus came so we could understand the Father. That was one of his number one goals is to reveal the Father. Because nobody really understood it. And Jesus did that through his stories. As a pastor, I get called upon to do weddings and, and baptisms and all these different things. And one of the things that I have the honor of doing is get to be a part of celebrating someone's life when that life has come to an end. When this their period of mortality has come to an end. And I got to do that this weekend with a, uh, with a, a beloved man named Robert Ortega out of um, Eden, Texas. And um, I'd only got to meet him doing uh, uh, his son's wedding. And so I didn't have a whole lot of depth of insight. So as I wanted to be able to, to really honor him yesterday and, and not just be some stranger standing up in front of a packed house, standing room only, people on the outside, hear all those people knowing him and some stranger talking about him. I, I don't want that. I don't ever want that. So I got to go out, and they, they did a cool thing. Family did something I'd never heard of and been a part of, and they, they actually, as a family, they go, went out and dug his grave, which was, was cool. It was this cool bonding experience, and I got to go out there with the family as, as they're out there with shovels and, and, and doing this, and it's a cool way for men to bond and talk and, and do something, and I'm out there with his, his brothers and nephews and, and <clears throat> cousins and all of these different people and talking to learn about Robert, and they would tell me stories. And as I collected enough stories and enough perspective, and I talked to lots and lots of people and took lots and lots of notes, then at the end of it, I felt like I began to have an idea of who Robert was. These are these moments. We need to look at these things where we get to see that Jesus understood the Father like none of us, nobody else. And we have to go in and not with an idea instead of saying, I know who Papa God is, and so I'm going to see if you're right. No. 
We have to come in and say, Jesus understands who Papa God is, and I'm going to allow him to make me right. I'm going to allow him to reveal it to me. So every time we come to the scriptures, we have to kind of let go. We have our guards. We have our paradigms built, and we have to lay them down and let the scripture speak fresh to us every time. Because you never know that maybe the last time you read them, you looked through a lens. Didn't mean to. You looked through a hurt. You looked through an experience. You looked through what someone else had to say. So this morning, we're going to go ahead and we're going to look at this parable. And I want to set up a little bit of backstory because <clears throat> right before, you know that uh, there were no chapters as this was written. This was one big narrative. Okay, So as we're in... Matthew 20, it's an extension of Matthew 19. And at the end of Matthew 19, the disciples are talking to Jesus. And they're talking to him, and, and he's talking about all of these different, these different pieces of, of those that, that follow him. And Peter pipes up and says, now what about us? What about us? We've given up everything. We've walked away from our entire livelihoods. What about us? What are, what are we going to get out of this deal? And Jesus gives him a great answer and tells him, says, anybody who's left family or houses or lands or jobs or any of that kind of stuff will, will reap multiple times over that in this life and in the life to come. And it talks about you're not going to get shortchanged. You're not going to get shortchanged here. And kind of set Peter at ease and just like, okay, all right. Peter's still learning this, and, and Jesus is patient and, and generous with him. But, P, but Jesus immediately rolls into this story. And in light of Peter, feeling like they're the first ones on the scene, we're the disciples, we're the first ones to walk into this labor thing, what are we getting out of this deal? Jesus brings this parable so that we all understand the Father's heart in this thing. Let's go ahead and just read. Matthew 20, verse 1. Jesus is telling Peter and his disciples. This is this little conversation with them. It says, For the kingdom of, God, kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Well, first off, what I love about this is that we get this picture that God doesn't want to do this all by himself. He's hired and wants to bring us into the mix. You know, it really is an amazing thing to be the recipient of the love of God. It really is. To be a recipient of his plan for redemption. But you know what blows my mind? What blows my mind is that he takes us as fresh and raw, not completely squared away always with who he is, and he immediately puts us into the mix. And asks us to dare to share our experience. Sticks us immediately in to the, to the field. Immediately begin to share what we've done with others. I don't care if you are brand new at this thing with God. And all you, all you understand is that you desperately need God. That God provided Jesus. And that you have a relationship with him through, through Jesus. And that's all you get. You don't get the rest of it. Share that. Exactly. Well, what if I get some other questions? Just say, I don't know. Say, let's study. Say, let's look. Say, we can talk to people in the church that maybe know. But don't stay quiet just because you feel like you don't know enough. Whatever you know, share. He's just, he's just recruiting. 
He's just bringing us into what he, what's important to him. So he goes out first thing in the morning, and the Jewish work day was 6 to 6, okay? None of this little American eight-hour day here, okay? This is a 6 to 6 day, okay? So 6 in the morning until 6 at night. So they go up, boom, sun up, they're ready to go, and they're ready to work. And he goes out and he, he gets them, and he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. What denarius was a day's wages. That's what was the norm in that culture for just a day's labor. This isn't expert craftsmanship. This isn't someone who's, who's a stonemason or someone who's a jeweler. Or someone who has a, This is just somebody who's going to go out and just put their muscles to hire. Just go out there and get it done. Was a denarius was the day's wage. So he pays them and offers them the going rate. He's not trying to get a deal. He's not trying to undercut them. He's not trying to make it to where their lives are. He agrees to pay. This is what it takes to live for a day. This is what we're going to take care of. Here is agree to a denarius. These guys out there ready to get some work say, boom, going to get my denarius, going to be able to take care of the needs for my family. I'm in. Let's go to your vineyard. It says then about nine in the morning he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. Just three hours later, these people out there, they're not getting anything done. He's like, hey, do you want to work? He says, then you go and work in the vineyard. And this is what he says. I'll pay you whatever is right. I'll pay you whatever is right. I don't know about you, um, but I either have to be really desperate to just get something out of the thing, but rarely do I want to do a job without knowing what the pay is. You know, you say, okay, that's part of the first things you negotiate. The only way this works is if this guy's got a great reputation in that community because they're completely at the mercy of whatever he thinks is right. If he's looking at it, what's right by him, what's right by his pocketbook, it's going to be really little. If they're hoping they're looking at what's right by them, which is going to be in the light of their needs. And he agrees to pay them whatever is right. And so they went. And then he went out again at noon. So another three hours. He's still recruiting. He's still looking for people to come in and connect. He's still recruiting. And he goes out there and he finds them at noon. Come on in and work. And then at three in the afternoon... He did the same thing. Folks, what we get out of this and out of this response is first and foremost, our foundation is we understand that we can trust God to do what is right. If we think that God's going to take advantage of us, that somehow we're going to get shortchanged in life, if we give ourselves wholly unto God, then I'm telling you, we're, we're going to miss out here. We're going to miss out. Whenever I first got involved in ministry, I, I, I had a wrong mindset about God. But I felt that God was just really stirring me to say yes to him. I had my plans. I had my goals and stuff I wanted to do by the time I was 30, which when you're 19 is like 100 years later. And so um, it's not. 
And so, um, but when you're, when you're young, it's, it's, it's forever. And so I had my plans, I had my goals, I had all the stuff that I wanted to do. And in my mind, this thing burning on the inside of me of, of saying yes to God meant walking away from all of these different things that weren't bad. They weren't bad things. It wasn't like, I, you know, God was wanting me to give up meth and I didn't want to do it. It was, you know, um, it, it was, it, they, were, they, were, they were good things. And so, but I just didn't think, I thought that serving God meant this, this different kind of, of, of hard, difficult life. And I finally was just like, all right, God, I don't care what it costs me. Like somehow I'm like giving some, God some great deal here with giving myself to him. Uh, that's what youthful pride does to you. And um, anyways, and he, he still wanted me. He still wanted me. And I sit there and just the, the, the pull of the Holy Spirit was stronger than my wrong mentality. But I delayed because I, grind, I would grind against it. And this thing that even Peter pushed back on. So what's here? How are you going to handle this? We've given up everything. We've given up it all. Are we going to be cool here? Are you going to kind of leave us hanging? And the first thing before you really sell out in your heart to God and really give it over to him is you have to understand and believe in your heart that he's going to do right by you. If somehow you think he's not going to do right by you, you're going to be, always be tentative. You're always going to be hanging on to, to a second plan. You're always going to have a backup plan. You're never going to fully trust and step out in faith if you're not sure that he'll do what is right. What a beautiful example of the guys at the ninth hour and the twelfth hour and all of those as they come out and say, all right, I trust you. I trust you to do what is right. See, people, you will never go wrong with saying yes to God. You might know all the details about how it's fully going to work out, but I'm telling you, it is going to be better and more wonderful and fulfilling than you can wrap your mind around. It's probably going to be different. It's probably going to be different than the plan you would lay out. And you, part of that is our struggle to hang on to things we want them our way. But I'm telling you, today, if you've been struggling with some place in your life of just going ahead and trusting God and giving that, letting that tension go and say, God, I'm going to go ahead and do it your way. He's going to do right. He's going to do right. He is faithful. He's faithful. And the next thing we see is that it's never too late in the day to respond to God. So many times we fight with that and then we feel like we've missed our moment. I've talked to multiple people who, said, who told me that they had felt like they were called into ministry when they were a young person. And now they're later in life and, and they butted their heads against different things. And, and they're saying, you know what, I, I, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to do this. And I just hope it's not too late. If the Holy Spirit is still beckoning you, it's not too late. It's not too late. We cannot have this mentality that somehow we've let too much time slip under and slip past that somehow God can't redeem things and make things fully happen for you. 
If God is still stirring on you to help make right some relationship, you're like, I burned that bridge 15 years ago. But I can't quit thinking about them. Then it's not too late. Let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you. Said, man, I've had this idea. I feel like God's really wanted me to step out on this front. God may lead you on a business idea and a business front. You're like, there's too much gone. If God won't let you let it go, it's not too late. It's never too late. And we see that here in Matthew 20, verse 6. It says that at about 5 in the afternoon, there's one hour left to work. One hour left to work. He went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? He asked them, what's going on? You skipping out? You, you, you trying, to just, trying to just loaf around here? What's going on? What's going on here? And they answer, because no one hired us, sir. Life's no different today than it is than it was then. Okay? You go out, and uh, you're a normal landowner. You're going to go out. You go, you're going to pay your denarius for a full day's wage. So guess what? Where do you get your deal? You get your deal with the big boy. Six foot four, 250 pounds of solid muscle. That guy can move a lot of hay. Whoop! I'm going to get you. I want you to come, come to work. Guy's got a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom. You're hired. Come on. All these guys sitting there and picking the day workers and they're getting, they're getting the strong guys, the young guys, the healthy guys, the smart guys, all of these different things. And these are the guys. They weren't picked last. They weren't picked. They weren't chosen. They were overlooked. And guess what? They have families. They needed a denarius for the day like anybody else did. It doesn't change. Just because all of a sudden your, your skill set or environment or these different things shift, it all of a sudden doesn't take less to put the bread in front of the kids. It all of a sudden doesn't take less to put the milk on the table. It doesn't take less. It still takes the same. And here are the guys who they've been in a knot all day long, have to go back to their families and go, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I tried. They've been in knots all day, hoping somebody would hire them, hoping somebody would see some value in them. And they dared to stay out there at the 5 o'clock hour, one hour left. And here comes the landowner saying, what's up? Why didn't you? Nobody hired us. And what does he say? Go. You go also, and you go work in my vineyard. Maybe today you're here. And you look at this whole thing about being involved in the kingdom of God and the work that God has called people to and making a difference. You know, Brandon, my whole life, 
I've been tickled ass. I've been kicked to the side. I've been overlooked. And I just, I just don't even know that, that God would want me. I just don't even know. People, Jesus is telling this story to get over all of that mess that it isn't about picking the people who have the most talent and the most all of this and all that. He wants all to come and he wants all to be involved. We already saw a couple of weeks ago that the banquet was laid out. And you're like, that's sweet that, the, that the, the poor people were invited and the lame were invited. It's amazing that the criminals were invited. But now, it's not that they get to just be a recipient. Now they get to be a part. Now you get to have ownership. Now you have some sort of value to bring to the table. It changes everything. Wait a second, God, you don't, you're not just gracious to just forgive, but you'll take us that nobody else wants and, and you'll minister through us and you'll touch people's lives? Yes. Yes, he will. Please don't let the lies of the enemy keep you on the sidelines anymore. Please don't let the way you see yourself and your past and your mistakes sideline you anymore. Guess what? If nothing else, you can reach those people too. You know what? You know who knew the other fifth hour people? The five, all the five o'clock people knew each other. Reach out to them. Guess what? He'll take, he took me. He'll take you. Let's, let's go work. Let's go do this thing. So in this process, all we have to do is be willing. Be willing to answer. In our whole process, Celebration Church is about this, answering two questions. Where am I? And which way forward from here? God has a forward for you. You've not gone so far backwards, so far sideways, or so far down that he doesn't have a forward for you. There is a forward for you, and we have to dare to believe that. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, in the day of my salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So it's not just an opportunity it's awesome that he's recruiting. It's awesome that he's fair. It's awesome that he will do what's right. It's awesome that he will do what's right. And it's awesome that he brings in even the fifth hour. But here is what takes it to the next level. God is graciously generous. Graciously generous. Remember, he's telling his number one disciples, the guys who jumped in when nobody else recognized who Jesus was, before he had a following, before he had a crowd, before they saw the miracles, some of these guys were called to be his disciples. They were jumped in at the early time, and Jesus is reminding them about how Papa works. And he says, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired. The five o'clock guys, the one hour guys. Bring them forward first. Man, they've been, they've been freaking out long enough. They've been worried long enough. If anybody needs relief, if anybody needs to know how this day is going to turn out, it's the 5 o'clock guys. 
The guys who were hired in the day, they can kick back. They know what they're getting. My daily needs are met. My need, my family's good. We're solid. They can kick back. They can be last. It's not a big deal. They know what they're getting. These guys, if they're thinking, maybe he's going to hand me a little bit of grain and we can go make some gruel and quiet our tummies tonight. I don't know what I'm getting. I've only worked for an hour. And he calls them forward and he, and he brought them <clears throat> forward and he handed each one a denarius. He handed each one of them a denarius. They got a full day's wage. A full day's wage for working an hour. You're like, that's not fair. They only worked an hour. Well, guess what? Their needs didn't reduce. Just because nobody picked them, just because nobody wanted them, just because any of those things, their needs didn't reduce. This landowner is generous, and all of a sudden, all the pressure, all the worry, all the stuff, living in provision, living in grace, living in a place where their family's taken care of. It's all done. It's all taken care of. So we jump down to verse 9. It says, the workers who were hired, oh, verse 10, says, and when those who, <clears throat> for when those who were hired first, ah, when those came who were hired first, I'm going to read right in a second, they expected to receive more. They're like, woo-hoo-hoo, wow. Man, the one-hour guys, they got a denarius. There was a bonus plan implemented while we were in the back 40 and we didn't know. Wow, there's a bonus plan. Woo, what's happening here? Here we go. Payday. And he gave each one of them a denarius as well. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only an hour. They said, and you've made them equal. Wait a second. Now we're measuring. Now we're ranking. Now we're judging. We're the first ones on the scene. We're the smart guys. We're the big, strong guys. We're the guys who everybody wanted on their team. You made them equal. The no-pick guys are equal with us. Hmm. I'm uncomfortable with this. You've made them equal with us who've borne the burden of the work and the hard, hot part, the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Isn't that awesome? Even when we get in a twist, even when we get all upset and we feel like we're in sideways with with Papa God, we vent and we do these different things and he still calls us friend. He didn't say servant, hireling, jerk. I think jerk would have fit there well. He didn't say that. He said, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Didn't you, from the moment the sun came up, know that your family was taken care of? Didn't you have the assurance all day long 
that all was good? Why was that not a blessing? Why was not having the peace and the understanding that everything's taken care of? Why was that not good? Why was that not the bonus? Why does somehow coming in early mean you get more and coming in late means you get less? When everyone has that base level need and that base level thing. He says, take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious? Because I'm generous. Would they have rather sit around, kick back till five o'clock? Step in at the last minute and get their denarius? Is that what they would really wanted? They really rather ignore everything that's happening and just scoop in and, and, and get, the, get the payday? They're envious. Are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. See, Jesus is speaking to a culture, a culture that totally embraced this concept that you could work for standing. That you could do all of these good things and you were more esteemed than these other people were on the outside. And Jesus all of a sudden in one level place just levels the playing field. And says, you know what? When it comes to what we need in life. Relationship with God. Salvation. Joy. Peace. All of those different things. Then Heavenly Father doles them out. This isn't about working so many times you can sit there as a believer. Your car breaks down, all this kind of stuff. What did I do wrong? God isn't smacking you around. God's not doing that to you. That's not his mentality towards you. His, Jesus is showing us his heart. His heart is to sit there and to take care of us. Let's dare to trust that he's going to do right by us. Let's dare to trust that he's going to be crazy generous with us. Let's dare to trust that if we give ourselves to his work that we cannot lose. Let's dare to believe that. I love that God's grace reaches to those that we sometimes think don't deserve it. Because folks, I tell you what, if you'll get real honest, you look at a real honest piece of the scriptures, it'll make you squirm. Because you're going to find out that God loves some people you don't. And God's grace reaches to some people you wish were left out. Part of that renewing is getting his heart for him. It's just where we are. We do that. Part of our renewing is getting his heart. And this shows that's where he's taken us. This is what he's doing. See, he even, he even followed out this Levitical rule that we see in Leviticus 19, 13. That was the, the law required payment at the end of the day. It says, do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back wages of a hired worker overnight. They needed to be able to go to the market, take care of their family, and buy their needs. I love it that Jesus himself also showed how in the middle of things going sideways, how he still refers as friend 
when Judas there, I don't think it's on our screen, but in Matthew 26, 50, when Judas came to betray him, Jesus replied, friend, do what you came to do. And the men stepped forward and seized Jesus and arrested him. <sighs> he's just so much better. As good as we think God is, he's so much better. We see this truth in Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he'll have mercy on them. <clears throat> and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Those other workers, they couldn't get into the landowner's head. It was just different. <laughs> My thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As soon as we feel like we understand God's love, he reveals it to us on another level. As soon as we feel like we think we've got this, oh, he's better than we thought. God's love is amazing. See, folks, grace is not about fairness. It is about love. God does what's right by us. But better than that, he does what is gracious by us. Now open your heart to truly know God. And he will continue to reveal himself more and more. He just will. I want to create a quiet moment right here. I want us to bow our heads and allow those here who've been on the outside. You have a recognition today that it's not about saying yes to climbing the religious ladder and trying a little harder. It's not about sobbing and declaring how terrible you are. It's about recognizing our need, our need for a savior. And that God loved us so much, he sent Jesus. And that due to his death, burial, and resurrection, everything is made right. Everything that was wrong has been fixed in that. And we dare to believe that and say, I place my faith in Christ. I place my faith in what he's done. And I today believe that I'm right with God, not based on what I've done or I plan to do, but based on what Jesus has done. And I believe he's made me right. I believe it at this moment. And if you've done that today, if you've just grabbed a hold of that and you say, Brandon, that's me, I believe it. I believe Jesus did it for me. Then you've stepped over from death to life and you are heaven ready right at this second. And if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. And we want to recognize that. We want to pray with you. If that's you this morning. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Those in T9 may be responding. Wonderful. Believers, I want you to lift your voices with these and we're going to pray together. Say, Heavenly Father. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you love me so much that you sent him for me. That his death covers my death. And now his life is my life. I am heaven ready right now based on what Jesus did. I invite you to work in my life to change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Woo.
Well, if you need extra prayer for any reason at all, we have the Hernandezes over here and the Lahones over here. We'll have, the, have someone over in T9 to be able to pray with you if you need prayer. I just want us to stand up. Remember, we've got the family fun night tonight. Come out, bring some friends, and uh, just it's a great time to hang out. It starts at 5 o'clock at the rink. It's a good time. Um, highly likely you'll get to watch me fall down, so it's going to be fun stuff. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love revealed in this story today. Lord, that you invite us in, not just to your family, but to be a part of what you're doing in this earth, Heavenly Father. That you picked the, the, those that have been left out and overlooked. You pick us all, Heavenly Father, and we just give our lives to you and we just dare to say, use us, Lord. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes, awesome. Have a great one.